Well, good morning again. It's okay, good. Uh, it's good to see you guys again. Um, I'm Shannon. I didn't say that earlier. So if you I haven't met you before, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, also, as Tinley said, a special welcome to those who are joining us online and listening in on our podcast later. Uh, we know a lot of people just coming and going and, and reconnecting, and so we're glad that we're able to offer ministry to you in ways that are here in the auditorium, but also online as well. Okay, so we're going to jump right into this, because um, this is going to be, I, I don't know if it's going to be a little bit different than what, you're, what we're used to, or if you've been here and you've heard uh, my teaching before, but today is, if you're willing to play along, an opportunity for you to do some real soul-searching and introspective looking into your life and going, how am I doing? And, and so it's really on you. I'm just going to offer some stuff, but it really is going to be up to you if, you if you want to walk through this and consider this and allow God's Holy Spirit to work with you in this. So if you're a note taker, I encourage you to do it, uh, to keep notes. Um, and if, if you, know, you can get out your phone or up your notes, but I think this is something that will be good for us, but it might not feel good in the process, but maybe by the time we get there, it'll be okay. So we're in this series called Doxypraxy, and what we've done is we've taken these two words, orthodoxy and orthopraxy, and orthodoxy means, ortho means right, straight, correct, and doxy means beliefs, and so orthodoxy means right beliefs. We've taken this word orthopraxy, which means right, straight, correct, and praxy, which means behavior or practice, and we've taken these words, we've just kind of lopped off the ortho for the sake of time, even though now I've explained it all, and it's called doxypraxy, and the tagline for this series is, what you believe determines how you behave. It's just the way it is. What you believe determines how you behave, and likewise, how you behave is eventually going to reveal what you truly believe. And so we're walking through the book of 1 John, which is an epistle in the New Testament. Not the Gospel of John, but the book of 1 John. And we're going to be in chapter 2 of 1 John today. Um, now, when we talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy, uh, usually we as an individual tend to lean towards one or the other. We tend to lean towards either belief or behavior. So someone who leans more towards orthodoxy might be like, you know what, um, I'm just, it's really about, th this is the knowledge I have of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. This is my understanding of salvation. These are my beliefs, but I'm just going to sweep under the rug uh, some of my behaviors that don't really line up with this, and we're just going to be, you know, like, don't judge me, um, you know, so let me, you know, just do whatever I want to do. That's, that's the code for leave me alone. Um, and, or, so you can see how someone might go there, or... The orthopraxy is where someone might tend to only focus on how they behave. So they go, hey, look, I'm, I'm a good citizen. I mean, I'm producing behavior that seems to be acceptable for the majority of the population, so why does it matter what I believe? Um, and people tend to, to be in one place or the other. But I want to say this. I said it the first week. Justin said it last week. It is, when you get down to it, impossible to separate our beliefs from our behavior. It's impossible to separate our orthodoxy from our orthopraxy. So what you believe does determine how you behave. And so what I want to do this morning as we start in 1 John, we're going to be starting in verse 7, 1 John chapter 2, is I want us, again, if you're willing to play along, is to put your behavior, 
your thoughts, the way you perceive the world, and put it under a microscope. And let's look and see if, if the letter that John is writing might actually say something, not just to the, letter he, the, the people he wrote it to, but to us here today. Beginning in verse 7 of 1 John 2. John says, dear friends, so he's not writing to beat up the church, he's not writing to slap them around, knock heads together, he's not mad at them, he loves the church. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you, rather it's an old one you have had from the very beginning. So he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, but you need to hear it again. He says, this old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Anyone ever had to hear something more than once? Okay, this is where John's going. Verse 8, yet it is also new. So it's not just, hey, you know, remember that whole thing about loving each other. He's like, no, this is new because of Jesus. He says, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. So he's talking about the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And then he gets kind of personal, and this is where we, we're kind of getting under the microscope here. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble, because there was some stumbling going on, we'll look at in a moment. And then verse 11, he says, and he repeats, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. And such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. And my first thought upon reading this passage is what a shockingly horrific word to be associated with. Hate. Hatred. Hatred. And I, you know, like John, because John is writing about believers actually hating other believers. Followers of Jesus hating other followers of Jesus. That escalated quickly because this is barely the second generation church. And yet John's having to write a letter to the church and saying, why are you hating each other? Stop hating each other. What's going on? Why is this happening? What is, what is your witness to the world? And, and you know something is up because this is, if you go back in, in chapter one, this is the fifth time in this very short letter that John is saying, there is an inconsistency here, people. There's an inconsistency between your professing your faith and your actual conduct. There's an inconsistency between your belief and your behavior. There's an inconsistency with your doxy and your praxy. And John, he uses contrast to explain this. He talks about light and darkness. He talks about truth and lies. And now he's talking about love and hate. And a little bit of context. Um, I, I did some background research on this because I kind of knew a little bit. But who John is addressing, there was this false teaching that was coming into the church called Gnostic teaching. Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. And it means to know. So it's like someone's like, oh, I know. I got it. I, I'm enlightened. I am spiritually, I have a, a higher spiritual understanding than you do if you would just, you know, follow me and do what I do. And, and it had all this Eastern mysticism and some other faiths or religions thrown in there too, not Christianity. And so there was this Gnostic 
uh, teaching coming in. And the whole thing with the Gnostics was they felt or they thought that the only thing that really mattered was the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. And so whatever you want to do in the physical world, it didn't matter. You could do whatever you wanted. Your behaviors could be however they wanted to be because it's just about the spirit. So obviously this is convoluted message. Obviously this is confusing. And now you've got people who are claiming and professing with words, but Jesus, and yet you've got different orthopraxy going on. You've got different behaviors and everything's not lining up. And so John is addressing this and he's writing to the church and he says, you know, just kind of point it all out that if you are a Jesus follower, you will be known for your behaviors as much as your beliefs. You cannot separate the true, the, the two. And, and so if I had to put it into a sentence, what I find John saying is there is no way to properly love God without loving other people. You can't separate the two. And so here's where I want us to start today. Under this microscope, if you're willing to play along, John's addressing hatred. Hatred among believers. And you might want to go, wow, I'm really glad that I don't hate anybody. So I, you know, whoever else this message is for, I hope they hear it. <laughs> Here's what I want to do. Like I said, if you're willing to play, we're going to look at a couple of words here and, and see what, what hatred really looks like. Um, because when we think to ourselves, well, I don't really hate anybody, I would say that there's a really good possibility that you do. And here's why I say that. One of the ways that the word hate is used in the New Testament, the way that it's translated, is this word, same word, it's used often, and it's this word, to care nothing for. Hatred, to care nothing for. So what do we say in our vernacular? I couldn't care less, right? I could not care any less. Now, some people might improperly say, I could care less, which means you could care less. So I, anyway, but we all get it, right? Like, it's indifference. I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't care. And it's complete and total indifference. And so we look at this word hatred and go, oh, well, I don't hate. But what about indifference? What about I don't care? What about it's not my problem? See, hatred and indifference, when you look at the translation, are not any different. And so when you see that John's writing to the church about hating each other, you might be going, wow, that, that's horrible. But now just replace that word. John's writing to the church and saying you're indifferent towards each other. Indifference. And yet, this is what we find Jesus saying in John chapter 13, verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Your love. Not our politeness, not, not, and definitely not our indifference. Your love will prove to them. This is about witness. This is about showing the world who it is that we believe in. And John is addressing this. He's like, look, we've got to, we've got to be better at this. 
So we've drilled down, if, if you're playing along, from hatred to indifference because they're not really, they're not, they're the same. They're, they're not different. From hatred to indifference. How do we find ourselves at indifference? What brings us to that point? And frankly, I sat in front of my, my iPad and I thought, this list could be exhaustive. I mean, I could sit here and just keep on putting in reasons and words for why we might feel indifferent towards others. I mean, I'm talking a long list. But instead of doing that, we could just get what I would say is like gut level real with ourselves, okay, looking inward, and, and what I mean by that is like, let's strip back our layers of pride. And let's strip back our, whatever our history is. And let's strip back whatever our hangups are about other people. And let's strip back, oh, the stories that I could tell you about why I feel the way I feel. And let's strip back like all the issues and let's just, I mean, I'm talking just rip all of that back and just admit we've gone from hatred to indifference. And now we just admit that what once was love towards another believer devolved to indifference because somebody was offended. Hatred, indifference. You go in hatred, no, I don't hate anybody. Indifferent, well, you know, maybe every now and then. I don't really care what she's talking about right now anyway. And now, offense. I told you it wouldn't be super fun playing along, but I think there's value in us examining this about ourselves. Offended. We find ourselves offended, which is just like, it's like the gateway drug to indifference. Offended, what, offended by what was done, offended by what was said, offended by the tone, offended by like the professional eye-rolling looks that you're able to do, like offended by what wasn't done, offended by what was done. I mean, all like what was said, like all these things, offended that we weren't asked, offended that we were asked, like offended by social media, Lord help us all, you know, please, and like from hatred to indifference, and now just this really short step to offense. We're offended people. And I would, if you show, show me a relationship between Christ followers that once was good and has now become indifferent, and it won't take but a moment to whittle it down to find that an offense has occurred. Feel pretty, feel pretty confident about that statement. And when we've been offended, it's only right for the person who did the offending to come to us and make it right. I mean, right? I mean, didn't like you met, you hurt me, like you you upset me, like what you did or didn't do, like. Uh, Wow, I can't wait till you come and make it right. And that would be fantastically wonderful. But it doesn't usually work that way. So much so 
that Scripture doesn't, Scripture gives us tools to use to actually go to the person who's done the offending. Gosh, that's not fair, but whatever. So what do we do? All right, so here's the deal. And I believe the reason that Scripture does this is because, the reason God's Word gives us these tools is because offense is just a short step to indifference, and indifference is right there like, I mean, I don't even want to say first cousin. I'm talking like sibling, maybe a twin of hatred, and hatred shakes the foundation of our beliefs. And if that's what our beliefs are, then what are our behaviors, and then what is our witness to the world? It's all wrapped in together. And so scripture gives us these these ways in which what are we going to do? Okay, so, oh, I don't hate anybody, but I've been indifferent and I've certainly been offended. What do we do with that? Do we just stew in it? Do we just sit in that and just go, okay, here we are? No, that's why we get to hatred. So here's what we do. When we're offended, we've talked about this before, but I want to touch on it. When we're offended, we go to the offending person. Again, not fair, but it's just the way it seems to work out. We don't wait for someone to have an epiphany, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that, and I've got to go make it right. We, when we're offended, we go. Matthew 18, 15 says, if another believer, see, again, we're not talking about, oh, I can hate those people because they don't love the God I love. No, 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 no. This is talking about among believers. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Now, But just focus on the first sentence. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If you have been offended and it has taken some kind of root in your life and it has turned into indifference towards another person and it might be very dangerously close to hatred right now, there is an opportunity for you to go to that person and say, hey, we need to talk. We go to the person. And <laughs> this is what my notes say. I want to, I, I just stared at it like, and, and I couldn't even come up with the words. And all I wrote was how much absolute ridiculous junk in all caps. That's the best I could come up with it. How much absolute ridiculous junk would be avoided if we did this? I mean, think about the world we're living in. And like, are we actually functioning within hatred right now? Are we functioning in this realm of indifference? And I'm wondering if we had just gone to the offending person and said, hey, listen, this went on. I wonder if we, if we never would have gone down that path. And then when we go to the person who's offended us, we go with humility. Oh my goodness. We cannot come in self-righteousness. We cannot approach someone with self-righteousness. It will shut it down immediately, and that is not about reconciliation. We go with humility. We go with grace. Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because guess what? That person that offended you, there's a very good chance 
that they had no idea they offended you. Like, they're not down in their mom's basement with, like, red yarn and, like, this master plan to, like, ruin your life. Like, maybe they just accidentally said or did something, and it offended you in that moment. And if you would just address it and y'all talk it out, then maybe you didn't have to go any further than that. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And you know, when we have been offended, is anyone else like you turn up your sensitivity meter? Like once you've been offended by somebody, it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's see how this goes, right? And like suddenly, what do we do? Everything, every nuanced phrase, every syllable, every, I mean, like everything. It's like we record it, we, we remember it, we replay it just to, I don't know, like justify being offended. Like to be like, yeah, and this is why I feel this way, because this and this and this and this and this and this. And it's like you can unroll, like it just, and it's interesting because you know what scripture tells me is that love is supposed to keep no record of wrongs. So we come with humility when we're offended and we can see that that's going to take us right there to indifference, which is so close to hatred, which shakes the very core of our beliefs, which then affects our behaviors and our witness to the world. We go to the person who's done the offending and we go with humility. And then... Love must be the motivation. Love has got to be the motivation for why we approach them. Love has got to be the motivation for our actions, not personal victory. I'm going to win this debate. I'm going to win this argument. Love must be our motivation. Our goal, our goal can't be to prove someone wrong or to make a point. Our only motive should be out of love and hope for reconciliation. I want to read verses 7 through 9 again of, of 1 John. Because see, he's writing from this place of, dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. This has been here. This has been in front of you. It's, it's, it's been there. It's been there before even Jesus came along. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. We're supposed to love one another. So I said at the beginning, wow, how shockingly horrific to have the word hatred associated with the church, with believers, with each other. But when you go, when you work it backwards and go like, oh, well, you go from offense to indifference to hatred, it doesn't seem quite so shockingly horrific, does it? I mean, it seems like that's where maybe a lot of us are. Like I said, today's a little bit different in that I'm just kind of laying this out here, and if you're willing, you take these scriptures you take what, what God's word offers to us, and you take the time today, tomorrow, this week, and you do some personal reflection. You sit back and go, am I, is, is John writing this letter to me? Have I been hating 
other believers? And because of it, is it damaging the witness, our witness to the world? I'm going to ask the band to come back out. And as they do, I just I want to say this, Porch community. Our belief and our behavior cannot be separated. It can't. We can fake it for a little, little bit, but we can't separate it. We just can't. It will, it will reveal itself eventually. And so for your personal reflection, I would say just ask, you know, God, where have I been offended? You know, where has that offense kind of just gotten a hold of me? And then, you know, okay, has, has, a, has indifference started to rise up? Like I actually feel indifferent towards like people, God, that you love, and I have this I don't care attitude about them? And then ask yourself, has hatred started to take root in my heart? Actual hatred for another person. I think, I think there's some soul searching that can be done, that should be done, if we want our beliefs and our behaviors to match up. What we believe determines how we behave.